Welcome everyone to today's Money Mentors podcast, hosted by myself, Glenn Fairburn, and my colleague, Nathan Lear. We're brought to you by Hewson Private Wealth, who is one of Australia's leading independent financial planning wealth firms. Our objective with this podcast is to improve financial literacy and financial awareness. And today we'll be talking about active investment versus passive investment. Is one or the other right or wrong? Um, we're having some broader, broader discussions about that topic. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. So hello everybody. Today, Glenn and myself are having a discussion regarding active versus passive investment management. Uh, so the reason this is so topical at the moment, in, in, in recent years, such a large amount of large amount of investor capital has moved out of uh, more traditional active investment strategies into more passive focused investment strategies. So before we uh, expand further on this, we'll spend just a couple of minutes explaining the difference between the two types of investment approaches. So uh, active management basically involves uh, a manager uh, or an investor using their skill to select um, investments. Now, generally, they might rate themselves against a particular benchmark um, with a with a view to try and outperform that benchmark. So, in comparison, a passive investment strategy is basically trying to replicate an underlying index or benchmark. So, for example, um, the S and P ASX 200 index covers the top 200 companies on the Australian share market. So an index uh, fund may be invested in to try and replicate the performance of that particular index, no more, no, no less. Uh, so this has been quite a heated discussion over the past few years. Um, I, I think the reason it polarizes people so much is because uh, people really believe, or most people believe in either one or the other. Um, what's your take on all the, the recent press on this, Glenn, in, in recent times? Yeah, I think the, one of the main reasons why it's come to attention is really driven by fees. Um, and we spoke about in our last podcast that given the level of superannuation, not just in Australia, but I think globally, um, the whole sort of self-funding retirement objective, there's been a massive emphasis on, on fees. Um, so in the more traditional approach that you were explaining active management, obviously you have a fund manager that has to employ analysts, has to employ, employ investment specialists. So it is quite costly, whereas the more passive approach is effectively a computer-generated model. So obviously I think one of the main reasons why passive has become so much more popular is because of that fee differential, which can be, for a lot of passive funds, it can be less than 0.2 of a percent whereas for the more actively managed managed funds, you know, we, we see some of those funds can charge in excess of 2%. Um, so I think really the massive flow of funds out of active into passive has been driven by perhaps fees. But I think in more recent times, there's been a lot of press in particular um, out of the US where we've seen, you know, the data that we've seen is over $2 trillion has moved out of active into passive, and these are massive amounts of money. Um, and I, I think, as, as I was going to say, in more recent times, it's probably been driven by performance because I think a lot of the more traditional actively managed funds just haven't outperformed that benchmark. So people are really questioning, why should I pay active fees 
where all I'm getting is a return which is similar to a benchmark, I'm better off you know, paying a fraction of the cost and just getting as good a return. Do you think that's probably the main driver? Is, is it return or is it fee or is it both? I, I think if you hit the nail on the head, I think it's, I think it's both. Uh, no doubt, uh, low cost, everybody, there's a, there's a drive to try and lower, lower expenses and lower fees. So I think that's definitely been the, the one point of it. And the other thing over the last 10 years, you hit the nail, the nail on the head there again, I think most, well, we'll talk about the statistics in a moment, but there has been a lot of managers out there, fund managers, that have simply failed to outperform the benchmark. So a combination of investors that invest in these funds paying higher fees and not performing, they're, they're walking with their feet, aren't they, and, and moving to, to other passive strategies. Yeah, and I think also on the passive side, if we go back to when index funding or index funds first became popular sort of in the early 1970s, um, was introduced by Vanguard Group, who now is one of the largest asset managers in the world. Now, back then, there was only basically one option for people who wanted to invest in this approach, and that was the S&P 500, whereas now there's more providers across numerous indices. So I think not only are people looking at fees and performance, but I think now the choice of those funds is so vast. I mean, you can invest in any market, any investment around the world, in this passive approach. So it does give you a little bit more control, doesn't it? Like more options, more control, looking at you know different types of investments that perhaps you haven't been able to access before. Yeah, 100%. There's a lot more a lot more active uh, managers out there, sorry, passive managers out there than there ever was. It's a, it's a relatively new uh, approach in terms of uh, it's only been around for, like you said, really since the, the 2000s, I suppose, where it's been uh, easy to access these types of investments. So I might just uh, turn our focus to comparing the two investment approaches a little bit. So we'll have a look at the perhaps the pros and cons of each approach. We've already spoken about a couple of things. Um, I'll start with active management in terms of the, the benefits in terms of why, invest, why investors might undertake that approach. Uh, I think the the first thing really comes down to outperforming the benchmark. I think why do people want to invest in an active investment approach? They want to outperform the market, um, which leads me to uh, a famous a famous uh, Warren Buffett quote. We over the a few of the the previous podcasts we've spoken about Warren Buffett and how he has so many great quotes. I think I really one of my favourite ones actually that he's that he's ever he's ever said. I'd be a bum on the street with a tin cup if markets were always efficient. So basically what, what Warren is saying here is that he was able to amass all his wealth because markets are not efficient. Uh, so he's basically able to use his skill. Um, we all know how much reading he does. He basically says he reads, reads for about six hours a week um, to unearth uh good quality investment opportunities where, where good quality assets are undervalued or good quality stocks are undervalued. Do you think he's a little bit contradictory then? Because I suppose one of the, um, when you're looking at passive investing or index investing versus active, 100% agree that Warren Buffett's probably viewed as the most successful active investment manager in history. And yet it, for the last, is it 10 years, he's been running a bit of a bet with um, a hedge fund manager as to, you know, well, he basically said that he'd put, I think it was a million dollars or, or something along those lines, that the index would outperform most of the hedge funds and actually won just recently. So I think his advice to a lot of, I suppose, the more 
naive investors or perhaps the layman is to an index fund. So is it, do you think he's a little bit contradictory or is he just saying if you can't manage in an active way or you don't have the skills to do it, don't bother and just go down the passive route? Is that, do you think that's what he's basically saying? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was interesting. When I, when I first heard that, I, my immediate thought was, you know, you've made all your wealth doing it one way and you're telling other people to do it another way. So if he had taken his own advice when he was 20 or 30, he probably wouldn't be who he is today and we wouldn't know of him. Yeah. Um, so look, that, that he has come out and said that obviously on, on the record that if, uh, you know, if you don't really know what you're doing, just put, put your money in a, in a low-cost uh, exchange-traded fund ETF which, which replicates, um, I think, the S&P 500. I think it was the 500. Yeah. Um, so look, I suppose we're, we're going to kind of delve a bit deeper today but I think, I think that potentially could have its merits depending on you, you know, your situation and your approach. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep moving through the, some of the benefits or the, the pros of active management. I've spoken about the fact you can outperform the market, i.e. Warren Buffett. Um, another, another point is that it, it allows you to re- retain control over your specific investment. So if you have a, an active approach, you can buy specific investments where you know exactly what the, the, the cash flow they generate, the dividends they pay, um, you decide when you buy and sell, so you, d- you, you control the taxation outcomes. So maintaining that control and, and flexibility, I think, is a, another key point. And also, you can, you can invest according to your objectives, um, where if you do invest in a passive approach, I mean, you, there's tailored solutions, I guess, that you can look to adopt, um, but it, it is a little bit harder in that, in that regard. So there's some of the benefits of active management. Um, in terms, terms of some of the, the, the cons of active management, um, we already spoke about the, the fees, uh, management fees on active management funds, ma- um, index, fu- uh, sorry, index funds, managed funds or mutual funds as they're called in the US can, can be high and they can erode investor capital. Um, another point with, with managed funds or active, active investments is that they can have less diversification than than their passive counterparts. So if you invest in an index fund, um, you might invest in an index fund over the ASX top 200 companies. You're invested in a slice of all of those 200 companies. But if you invest invest in a a highly concentrated um, fund manager that might have 10 or 20 investments, you may have uh, less diversification with an an active manager. So that's another, perhaps another con. Um, So they're probably... They're probably some of the, the, the key points. Uh, the last point I'll make in terms of active management and negative can be, I think a lot of active managers out there can, can often hug the benchmark. So often they're maybe a little bit afraid to go out on a limb and take a risk. So they'll just hug to what the benchmark is invested in and, and, and somewhat replicate the, the performance of the benchmark. So yeah, I think Nathan, that, that's probably one of the biggest criticisms of that active managed fund is in, the, in more recent years, um, I think as you were sort of alluding to, because they're so afraid of underperforming the benchmark or the index by too much, they are tending to hug that index, aren't they, fairly closely. And I think that's where investors are really asking the question, as I said earlier, why should I be paying 2% for a fund that, yeah, it's striving to outperform, but in more recent times hasn't? Or if it is, it's only slightly outperforming, um, but also attracts those higher fees. I think that's what leads to that more passive approach just to explain, I suppose, the ultimate benefits. As we were saying earlier, 
think one of the main reasons is that it's low cost. I mean, you, you can construct a portfolio, not just in equities, but across a number of different asset classes for a fraction of the cost is what you could do via that active approach. And when people are looking at retirement and looking at saving as much as they can, fees do become a major consideration. There's no doubt about that. Also, although the advantages of the active approach are that you do have a professional manager who's researching and analyzing companies, that can also be a disadvantage, can't it, if they get those decisions wrong. So I think on the passive approach, all you're doing is buying companies which are effectively driven by a certain um, computer model. So it is very much a set and forget approach where you just you don't have to worry about monitoring companies, you don't have to worry about keeping a close eye on what's happening. You can buy your index fund, set and forget and not worry about it. And as we we're saying, I suppose the other main benefit is that um, in more recent times they've outperformed. But I think from our perspective, something that we've spoken about when we've considered the more passive approach for our clients is that the more traditional index fund, which is whether it's the ASX 200 or the S&P 500, which are effectively buying investments based on their market capitalization, so based on their size, in a lot of ways, it's sort of counterintuitive to what, in our view, investment is all about. So if you ask most people how you make money investing, it's effectively buying something that's cheap and potentially selling it low. Whereas for a lot of these index funds, not all of them, but the more traditional index funds, what you're effectively doing is buying more and more of a company as it becomes larger within that index because you obviously have to track the index. So the larger a particular company is, the more of that investment you own. And a, a perfect example of that, um, which I brought up in, in a recent seminar, was a company that a lot of people are familiar with, um, which is Amazon. So Amazon is currently the third largest stock in the S&P 500 and makes up about 2% of that index. Now, that particular company's stock price has risen 40% this year. Um, so it's got a market capitalization of about 475 billion US um, and that's up from 114 billion at the end of 2012. So it, it's obviously gone up significantly over that period of time. Um, now, as an index investor, because it's becoming bigger, you're actually being forced to buy more and more and more of that particular company. Whereas if you're looking at the Warren Buffett approach or the more value investor approach and just looking at some of the pure fundamentals, the price to earnings ratio of Amazon is 200 times. So what that means is that based on the current share price and based on what the current year earnings are, the share price is 200 times that year of earnings. So if the earnings were to remain flat, effectively it would take you 200 years to get your money back so based on what you pay for that share price and it's not paying a dividend and has said many times that it, that it won't pay a dividend and that it reinvests back in the company so if you're looking at the pure fundamentals is amazon the right company to be buying right now because you are relying on that growth so i suppose just an interesting interesting argument to say how to show how different passive investing is where you're buying more of a company like this versus the more value active approach where you might actually be taking profits from a company that, that's done as strongly as, as Amazon. Is, it, is that a fair assessment? Yes, definitely. I think it goes against the, the, the fundamentals. At times, it can go against the fundamentals of investing where you, you buy low and sell high. As you, as you basically said with Amazon, as that's got bigger and bigger, uh, the index is buying more and more of it. Um, where where an investor might be looking at Amazon doing fundamental research and say, I think based on a few things, it's potentially expensive. 
I might sell some of it. I might take some profit. So yeah, it just definitely does lose that control. And I think the it? same is true within the Australian market where one of the, I suppose, the issues within our market is that resource stocks and banking stocks, I think they make up 30% of the index or, or something along. It's, it's a very, it's a significant proportion of the index. So if you're investing in the ASX 100 or the ASX 200, the outcome of that is that you're having a fairly concentrated portfolio to those two sectors and probably don't have the, the, the diversification that you should do across an equity portfolio. So I suppose these are just the important things to bear in mind is that, yes, cost is a serious consideration. There's no doubt about that. And in more recent times, I suppose, you know, when you're looking at performance, index funds have outperformed. But I think there's important information to look at when you're comparing performance, isn't there? In particular, when you're looking at active versus, mm. versus the index approach. And I think the data can be a little bit misleading as well. Yeah, so, so that, that's a good segue into... If, if you look back through some of the statistics over the over time basically of uh, when index investments do well compared to to active investments um, usually when the index strategies do well is in a rising market so their relative com- performance compared to more active strategies so uh, for example in the US in the last 10 years effectively since the since the GFC over the last 10 years we've been in a bull market so a lot of index funds have actually, you know, they've done quite well because a lot of active, in a rising market, active managers perhaps might not do so well. Maybe they prove their worth more in a down market. So over the last 10 years, I think that's, it's almost been a bit of a perfect storm, hasn't it? Where there's been a bull market. So, you know, like we, like we said the other day, throwing, throwing darts at a dartboard a little bit where everything's going up. So if you just invest, why not invest in an index? Everything's going up. And then, secondly, with fees, you can do it. You can do it with low fees. So, it has been a bit of a perfect storm where, you know, trillions of dollars in the U.S., for example, and Australia, lots of money in Australia, is moving is moving towards these approaches. Uh, I was going to ask you, Glenn, do you have any do you have any concerns? Do you think that, you know, anything could could blow up, or how, how do you see this playing out with your crystal ball? Look, yeah, I, I think it's important when you when you're considering index investing or passive investing is that at the moment what we're talking about is the more traditional index funds where they're effectively buying investments based on market capitalization they don't all do that but i think my concern with funds that are buying investments just because they're big like just because their their market capitalization is large is a little bit fraught with danger because although that can work in a rising market in a falling market you're forced to it can be the reverse and it, it can i think it can lead to some real significant downturns in the market and these investments because as i was saying earlier in the case of amazon now as that share price rises you're buying more and more of it all it takes is a downturn and as that share price falls you're forced to sell more of it and then the fund keeps selling it and keeps selling it as the share price falls so that just puts further and further pressure on that particular company's share price so I think there may be some issues. I'm not saying that there will be. I mean, there's some obviously good quality companies that that are quite large, in particular in the S and P 500. That you know, you, fa- you the, the you know the acronym Fang, you know, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, and, and the like. But if there is a downturn, the concern is that the reverse happens. That what has happened in more recent times, and I think that's probably a very important thing to consider when you're managing your portfolio. It's all good and well to strive for the absolute best performance. And investing in that particular way but i think it's also important 
to construct a portfolio that can protect against the downside. And that's probably one of the biggest disadvantages of, of that more passive approach is that you don't have a lot of control in a falling market. So if you've invested in the ASX 200 and the resource sector's suffering and you don't think that's a good sector to be in in the immediate term, what can you do about it? You mm. probably have to look at another index fund that's that excludes those resource stocks. So I think it's just important to not just look at a f- historical returns and say, oh, well, this, this, this fund's outperformed over a period of time. I'll, I'll go with that one. I think it's important to understand the implications of when the market goes against you and what risk management strategies do you have in place to counteract that. And I think that's probably one of the biggest risks and where there could potentially be some pain um, in future with the massive flow of funds, index funds, is when markets go against you and is that going to work in reverse? Mm. Yep, good good points. It's uh, when markets are going well, index investing is definitely, it's great. Everything goes up, but... I mean, there's no in, investing is we know it's a long term game, and we we for a second don't try and tie markets and propose we know what's going to happen in the short term. Um, but that there's some de- definitely some very valuable points that you made. If if things do turn, um, the the outflows, you know, there there could be selling pressure, and 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 you're selling good quality stocks when they're going down, which can which can hurt you. What what, what do you say to those people who who, I mean, there's been numerous reports that 95 percent of active managed funds you know, underperform the index. I mean, are those sort of, they're hard to argue against, aren't they? Yeah, so I know in the US, this this gains a lot of, uh, has gained a lot of traction. I know there's guys like Tony Robbins who have written books about these things where, where 90, I think 96, the, the figure quoted is 96% of fund managers outperform the benchmark. That's that's what gets quoted. So look, given we're in Australia, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up some statistics that we heard at a recent conference about the, the current state of play in Australia. So those figures are that 74% of Australian equity fund managers failed to beat the index. So that's 74%. So if you've got 100 managers, 74 of them have basically underperformed the index. So that's a, high, that's a quite high figure, isn't it? But if you dig a little bit deeper... Um, and look at where the weighting of those funds are invested, um, the figures are not nearly as bad. They're actually better. So because in that example I said before, if there's 100 managers and 74 outperform, Glenn and I could, we could go and set up our own little managed fund with, with, with $100 invested in it and do terrible and underperform the index. And we'll be included in those statistics. But a lot of the, the bigger fund managers that have... The, the resources behind them, the good quality analysts, they actually, so there's a small number of them, but in terms of where the money is weighted, they might hold a much larger proportion of money. So the statistics can be a little bit misleading when you look at that 74% in Australia of managers have underperformed the index, but when you weight that for dollars invested, the statistics actually show that more active managers have outperformed than not weighted for dollars so is what you're saying basically where the money's being invested where the majority of investor capital is going that most of those active funds are actually outperforming the benchmark yes yeah when weighted for dollars um it is outperformed that that's the statistics that 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 we've been presented with um so i think sometimes if you look at the just the the headline figure where you say you know 96 percent of active managers underperform 
Uh, yeah, it might be true, but sometimes you just need to dig a little bit deeper to try and understand it because there can be a little bit more, you know, when you unpeel a few more layers and yeah, definitely. and find out more a little bit more about it. And I think the other thing that we haven't spoken about that we have in the past and probably will continue to do so in future is when you're constructing a portfolio, in particular when you're relying on that portfolio to generate income that you rely on. So I suppose as you get closer to retirement, but not necessarily, it may be that you're borrowing for investment and you need to have greater certainty as to what those income outcomes are. Um, one of the downsides of a passive fund is that, like any managed fund, I suppose, is that it's very difficult to predict the income outcomes because the portfolio is changing on an ongoing basis. And, and that the same is true for an active fund, I suppose, but that, that's, that's really why we're very strong proponents of um, direct investing. So if we're investing in the equity market, we'd prefer to buy shares in, in their out, outright basically. And, and the reason for that is that history has shown us that if you're investing in good quality companies um, that have sound management and a good dividend track record, there's just greater transparency in the income, isn't there, compared to any fund, whether it's index or passive, uh, sorry, index or, or active. And the other advantage is that from a gains, capital gains perspective, one of the largest or biggest impacts on your tax bill can be realized capital gain. So if you're investing via a managed fund and that's with passive or active, um, you don't have a lot of control over the capital gains tax implications where if you own a direct share portfolio, um, you can sell companies in a year perhaps where your overall taxable income is low. So I think that that's sort of a key point, isn't it? It's the transparency of your return. It's not always about getting the absolute best return you can possible. I think well, in my view anyway, mm. transparency and predictability of the return is just as important so that when you're sitting back forecasting and, and, and perhaps working out what sort of income you could expect, it's very difficult to do that with a managed investment, isn't it? Whether it's active or passive. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, we, we speak a lot on, on this podca podcast about ob ob objective-based advice and understanding your investments, having control over it. So uh, sometimes index investing, uh, well, index investing will not give you that, but it really depends on what you're trying to achieve. So, uh, Glenn, a point I wanted to make was around th there are other ways, low low cost ways to access um, active management strategies. Um, now there are in, in Australia there are things called listed investment companies, which um, basically are effectively are fund managers but they uh, have their their portfolio listed on on the asx uh, index on the australian share market so there there is without kind of going into the the names of them there there is a couple that have been around for for decades and decades so 50 60 70 years um, so they've got a long-term track record and they've got a long-term long-term track record that has outperformed their benchmark um, so look the reason I'm, I'm explaining this is because it is another way where you can you can gain a diversified uh, active investment strategy for a low cost because some of these listed investment companies that I'm talking about um, charge management fees of around 15 basis points per annum, um, which is actually comparable to some of the index funds out there. So um, I'm not necessarily saying a listed investment company is the way to go, but it's just the, the reason I wanted to highlight that is because it is a, a way where you can access a diversified active investment strategy for a low cost and have outperformed over a long period of time, we're talking you know, 50, 60 years, have outperformed a, a bench, the benchmark.
Yeah, I think also what we're trying to say is that it, it's very much horses for courses, isn't it? I mean, a lot of what we've been talking about probably may come across as anti-passive, but I don't think that's the case. I think in a lot of ways, it's just trying to bring balance to that argument because in more recent times, there's been such a strong case for passive based purely on performance. It is important to bring balance back to that debate, but also understanding of the two structures. And that's a real key point for people to understand is that just because something's performed strongly in the past doesn't mean that it will do so in future. And you're right with the listed investment companies, that, that definitely is an alternative. But I think also, you know, if you've got a smaller amount of money and, and you want to get exposure to a particular market or just get greater diversification, then maybe the exchange traded funds or the index style approach is the right way to go. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, uh, definitely a point I wanted to make as well. That there, we, we don't think there's a right or wrong. Uh, we, we're not going to sit here and say active is the way to go. I mean, the way our firm invests uh, is more of a, an active approach. So the way we basically invest for our clients is more active. But we're not going to sit here and basically say that is the only way to do it because it does depend on the individual. And if you're younger, uh, trying to build wealth steadily, um, maybe, maybe a, a low-cost index fund is the way to go. Um, you know, if you have a long-term approach and a good, a good tactic or strategy around it, um, you know, we know that investing for the long term, you'll get good returns out of a, a, an index fund. And, and there are some good um, options available. I know there's, a, there's an app called Acorn, which is like a um, budgeting app, which we didn't discuss in episode two. But effectively what it does, it enables you, it, I think it rounds up um, your expenditure. So if, say, for example, you pay $3.60 for, for a coffee. What it will do is round that up to $4 and effectively have 40 cents go across to an investment portfolio and that gets invested in index funds. Um, and, and that's just a way that I suppose you can, it might be small amounts, but little things can add up to a big thing over a long period of time. And I know that they use index funds. So I think you're right. I mean, there are definitely occasions where index fund index funds and investing in a passive way can be a way. I think if anything, if it, if it brings awareness to people for investment and it brings interest and it, and, it, and it's a way for people to invest sooner. I think it's definitely something worth considering. Um, the only thing that I think both of us would encourage people to do, like anything in life, whatever decision you're making for a purchase or whatever it may be, is just understand what you're investing in, understand the cycle. Although you're investing long-term, um, as we keep harping on, don't just look at historical performance and think that that's going to be the way to go going future because things move in cycles. And as you were saying, Nathan, yeah, index funds might be outperforming now, but throughout history there's been different periods where active has outperformed as well and i think history's shown that in a down market the more active approach is probably a better approach that that's right and, and that's that's why uh the listed investment companies that that i spoke about a moment ago they are active managers so so and once again i'm not necessarily saying put all your money in listed investment companies but if there is a down market um a manager is basically making a call i think a good quality stock is being sold down for the wrong reasons and just following the market down i'm going to buy more of that so this this listed investment company um is actually going against the herd and, and being a buyer of a good quality asset when everyone else is selling so um while markets have been have been traditionally or generally speaking uh, markets have been going upwards i think index investing has worked well but it's uh, I, I kind of fear if things if things do do turn quickly it can it can hurt investors so 
Um, that's why, you know, just, just consider your strategy and, and have a think about what, what is best for you. Um, so there's definitely no, you know, I, I guess to kind of wrap up, there's, there's definitely no right or wrong way to do it. We, we effectively think that they can, they can live side by side. Um, you know, when I keep reading articles in the paper, which is better, um, I'm always a little bit sick of hearing it because I think that it, de it depends. It's a bit of a, you know, sitting on the fence comment there, but I think it really just depends. So, um, you know, have a, have a discussion. If you work with a, an advisor or a, an asset manager, have a, have a discussion with them, you know, understand your objectives and, uh, and have a think about an approach that, that you think will work best for you. Okay, well, uh, we'll just wrap up there. So thanks once again for listening and we, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. Please check out Hewison Private Wealth on their website, which is www.hewison.com.au. You can also find more information on the various social media platforms, including LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter by simply searching Hewison Private Wealth. We'd really appreciate it if you can rate and review us on iTunes. Um, and please subscribe so you get regular updates when we release new episodes. Look forward to speaking to you all next time. Thanks again.